listening to the PCAST, presented by CDE Lightband. Each week we take you around Austin the Athletic Department, and occasionally the OVC. Thanks to our good friends at CDE. Thank you to our friends at CDE, and thanks to you, our listeners. I am Colby Wilson. He, Casey Greger. Welcome to the nation's top-ranked Austin P podcast that's considering getting a little vitamin C today. How are you going to get some vitamin C? Orange juice. Oh, orange juice is good. Yeah. You thought it, you thought that was a typo, and that I meant to say vitamin D, didn't you? No, I didn't know what you were going to do. I was just wondering, like I've maybe some vitamin <laughs> C gummies, maybe <laughs> some feeling orange juice. Feeling a little vitamin C deficient today. Feeling uh, a little not, OJ. Not, not just me, but us as a whole, as a group. We're right, we're so just we're just just go grab some OJ for lunch. Got got to grab some OJ. Uh, where to begin? Well, let's begin with the news that broke about thirty minutes after we recorded last week. Uh, Papa G staying for a little bit. Oh yeah. Gerald Harrison uh, inking an extension uh, for Austin Peay State University to remain our athletics director. Uh, what did they say about your second contract? Like that's the they always say about NFL players. Like the first contract, yeah. Boy, I, I can't wait I to see know. where this now heads. <laughs> I don't know. They always say like everybody gets a first contract, just get the second one. That's the big time. I don't know. There's something like that. Yeah, uh, you listener at home, uh, imagine that was said coherently and with a little you bit make of, the make your own with, analogy with a little bit of whimsy, and you'll you'll be right there. But I mean, obviously, it's a no-brainer. Uh, he's the best I've worked for. Not that that's an end-all, be-all, but he is also the best AD I've ever worked for, and the only AD I've ever worked for. Ooh, yeah, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> <laughs> They're not all this good? No. <laughs> no, they are not. Uh, it, is, it is pretty awesome that, uh, that, that Papa G's going to be staying for a little bit and uh, going to see hopefully some good changes. Some, some, some more championships? Some, some more banners up in the Dunn Center. Throw a couple more rings on it? A couple more rings on it on it one of those rings was earned last year was by the football team and got an influx of talent coming in during the summer transfer season boy our football team's just raking up the transfers right now bringing uh, bringing them in middle tennessee state arkansas state uab kennesaw state florida tech mississippi state arkansas state middle tennessee and here's the big one a defensive tackle from penn state good week for the governors in the transfer field yeah, I mean that's a that's a broad spectrum of schools, obviously, and you know some guys go up, some guys go down. That's part of the the deal when it comes to the transfer season. But man, that is anytime you can bring in new talent like that that's had experience played at other schools. I mean, it's, it's going to help. It's going to help because Middle Tennessee they play some big time games, and their conference they play some big time games, and that's just experience and talent that's going to help the Govs in the OVC. And yeah, I think it's. I mean, obviously, we talk about all the time, you know, the the testament to what's been done here. But like, we're not getting transfers from Penn State ten years ago. You yeah, they, me? Penn State was like, who? They just start laughing. I'm not going to high school. They haven't won in ten years. Yeah, I mean, this is we 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 got when we got transfers. It was a last stop. It was well, they're not. It's us or they were going to go bag groceries or something. And now we get actual – we get guys who have options. Guys who have to move down to the FCS are, like, looking at good schools. Oh, Austin P. yeah, that's a good school. I'll go there and win a couple games. I've got a chance to further my career. That wasn't an option five e- years ago. Even five years ago it wasn't an option. Even the JUCO kids that are looking at us now, you know, when you've only got two years after you do your JUCO stretch – 
you want to make the most of that. You want to maximize that. You want to maximize your exposure. And that's us now. We can help maximize your exposure. No, yeah, it's super cool because I remember watching us when I was a freshman in school, and it was like, yeah, Jacksonville State rolls in here with three guys from Clemson, a couple guys from Alabama, and they just beat the brakes off us. And now it's like, no, we're, we're getting these guys, and uh, it's payback time, buddy. Uh, speaking of payback, how's your uh, ongoing apartment disaster? Uh, it's going better this week. Um, we got the building owner involved after the renting company decided the damage was kind of, kind of like, hey, we we might be able to, we might need to take it a step up here. So we had the insurance guy out by today. Most likely going to be some new carpet, some new drywall, uh, some new flooring in the kitchen, and hopefully that gets done as soon as possible because I would like to just move my living room back to normal and not have one couch with a TV on the floor. Remy probably wants you out of his bed, dude. I, I, w- I will be moving back into my room finally tonight. The The floor is dried, the carpet and underneath is dry, and the insurance guy said, yeah, your, your carpet... It didn't really get damaged, so there's really not much to do to it now that it's dry. So I got the okay to head back to my bedroom, which is very nice. Very nice. As much as I've enjoyed my stay at Remy's room. We should probably clarify that Remy hasn't been around. Not no, no, no. Maxwell, Maxwell's in Pennsylvania. So. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just... <laughs> I, mean, I had a sleeping bag on the floor. I don't want your mom to call you with a bunch of questions that you don't have the answers right, for. Right. No, yeah. Maxwell, Maxwell's in Pennsylvania. I've been staying in his room while mine dried out. Uh, it's dry now, so... Gonna head back across the hallway. We talked about it a little bit last week, but now that we both sat down and digested long gone summer, were you uh, pleased? Were you disappointed? Where, where'd you where'd you wind up on the spectrum? I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't really learn anything new. No, that was which that would have been like that's what I like about some thirty for thirties about obscure subjects. Like you learn things, and that's fun. This one I didn't learn anything. I just watched McGuire and Sosa hit home runs for an hour. I mean. Yeah, this is just a little I, trip back down memory lane to I watch. En- I enjoyed it. Yeah, I didn't hate it. Watch, watch two guys just. There mash, was a lot of people on Twitter haters. that didn't like it because they didn't talk about steroids or I don't know what they were upset about. But like, what did I mean, you expect? I understand the Cubs people being upset who got excited for a Sammy Sosa doc, and then seventy-five percent was Mark McGuire. Yeah. Maybe even maybe eighty percent was Mark McGuire. I mean, it was, it was a Mark McGuire documentary. It felt like they shoehorned a lot of Sammy footage into the last 20 minutes to be like, oh, yeah, we got Sammy, too. If I didn't hate Cubs fans, I might feel bad for them. Uh, I mean, I I hate Cardinals fans, too. I do hate Cardinals fans, too, but I'm more— I don't like either of them. I guess because McGuire is still in baseball, I'm a little more— I think McGuire getting into the Cardinals Hall of Fame and admitting what the steroids and being accepted— back into baseball is one of the reasons he got a lot more airtime because like the Cubs hate Sammy Sosa well there was a lot more that went on with Sammy than just the PD right like he was he he wore out his welcome big time by the time right it was all said and done in Chicago but I think there's also a little bit of coming clean and admitting to Whatever you've got to admit to that that helps it, it helps everybody get over it and make forgiveness a little more. Hopefully real. one day they'll let Sammy Sosa back into Wrigley and you know I, th- I think as hang up the number and I think as far beyond as that all is now, it's kinda silly and petty that it hasn't already happened, but this is the same fan base that 
a faction of them will still murder Steve Bartman on site. I don't think it's the fans, though. I think the fans like Sammy Sosa now, but I think it's more just the team. I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't. Who's left? I mean, it's not like it's the same. I don't know. I I don't know. It's weird. I mean, if the Reds can get Pete Rose back in there after everything he did, then the Cubs can get Sammy Sosa back in there. Well, time heals all wounds. Mm. The the name Long Gone Summer, uh, I think, felt appropriate because this dumb summer already feels long and needs to be gone. Yeah. Let's let's just get out of here. Let's get the fall. Let's play some football and hopefully. It's it's June 18th, and, like, for real, I am – doesn't feel like summer other than the fact that it's hot. Yeah, now now it's warmer when I walk from the mailbox to the house and back again. Or the house to the mailbox back again. sweat from walking to the mailbox because it's 100% humidity. Well, I don't anymore because I've lost a little bit of weight, thank God. But I just sweat. I, it's hot. That's the one thing, you know, my, my weight fluctuates because I'm a, a heftier mammal than most. But... <laughs> When I'm on the lighter side, I notice it because I can walk outside and I don't just immediately start pouring sweat as soon as I exit my house. See, I just, I do that no matter what. I don't think it, I think it's just I'm a sweater and it's hot and I'm going to sweat. You're also uh, hairier than you usually are too. Yeah, my hair is quite long. Uh, I said I wasn't going to get it cut till we played Austin P Sports again and I've made it this long, so... So now it's the principle of the thing. Now it's the principle of until we until we kick that soccer ball off week one, or I don't know, maybe football will be first. Ooh, let's make that a thing where we kick off whatever the event is, and then we shave your head. Um, no, I'll probably just get it cut the day before. Nope, nope, nope. Now, now we got to... It will not be a thing because I will not be shaving my head. Nope, will, you got to shave your head. That's. I will be going to Great Clips and getting my normal haircut. No, I'm going to get you banned from every Great Clips, Sport <laughs> Clips, and other haircutting assemblage in this town. I'll save it on my own then before I let you do it. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'll just throw the clippers on and g- yeah, run just, the guard all the way around. <laughs> I know you think you're owning me there, but I am uh, pretty excited. For, <laughs> I'm pretty excited to watch what the results would be from that. Yeah, it's going to have to get cut before soccer because there's no way I can sit in that sweat lodge oh, of a God. press box, maybe? Press Pre- table? Press press area? Press assemblage? Press whatever it is. Um, going to have to go with the short hair for that because... You die of heat stroke, then I'd have to do the game. I don't want to do the game. You don't want to do the game. You already got to announce the game. Yeah. Yeah, no. You're yeah, not going to no, do yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, fine. You can have a haircut the day before, but no more than one day before. All right, that's fair. All right, let's take this into a break, and we'll come back, and we will talk to Haley Meyer of the Austin Academic Services Department, football academics, um, community outreach leader, Bon vivant, gal about town. All right then. <laughs> right after this. Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Don't tell me not to fly, I simply got to. If someone takes a spill, it's me and not you. Who told you you're allowed to rain on my Haley Meyer joined us three years ago. This is my, so officially two years next month, so my third school year. But Haley Meyer will be going into her third <laughs> year at Austin P, mm-hmm. and has 
organized a renaissance of uh, our... I don't know if you have a long familiarity with the history of our uh, academic success before you got here. Uh, it wasn't. Well, that's not just me. That is a whole host of people from our top down with Katie Etheridge. It is, but you deserve more than your fair share of credit for it since you have the largest program to deal with of our football players. You've done a, a truly tremendous job with them over the last couple of years. Thank you. Well, and a lot of credit goes to Riley Plenge. She came in with us last year and definitely took everything. I think we laid a really good groundwork, and then she helped us just get over that get to that next level so big shout out to her and then we had an also a tremendous GA last year in Nia Gibbs Francis who Austin P alum so um, definitely not a solo mission um, so definitely want to give credit to everyone who works but thank you yeah it helps that the guys have bought into everything too you know normally we would start with discussion of your job and how it applies to you know how you how you relate to them and everything else but I we we're not going to go any further than right now okay. uh, to talk about equestrian. Okay. Um, you r- r- rode, competed. What do you call it? So we you ride, you compete. You are an equestrian. It's kind of a weird sport. Um, people used to ask me what sport I played, and I used to joke that I played ponies because I didn't ever really know what the right comeback for that was because I just always I rode horses and so. Um, yeah, it's kind of one of those where there's no real technicality, um, as far as like a name. Um, we had horse shows when I was not in college. Um, and then it was a college sport, uh, that I was lucky enough to compete in. Um, and we had meets or games. You kind of called it whatever you wanted. I had a friend who called it showcases of excellence because he had no idea what any of it was. And so that just always made me laugh, but yeah, horse shows, was probably the most traditional thing just it they try to give it a collegiate spin when it comes it becomes a college sport okay so i grew up with people who showed horses mm-hmm. in those kinds of and and that's what it is it's mm-hmm. it is a ho- horse show mm-hmm. but you're competing not as an individual necessarily but for your institution yeah so it's a little bit like a gymnastics um where you compete as an individual but then the team accumulates points um and so it's a head-to-head situation where so if I'm um, obviously my alma mater was TCU if I'm TCU and you're Austin P you and I would draw the same horse and so then the way the points work is it is a subjective sport um, so there's a judge so it is very much like a figure skating or a gymnastics where they sounds like something rife for corruption yeah yeah there's I mean that's a whole other podcast um, but there's a lot of, I mean, there is bias in it, um, a lot of subjectivity. Um, you can be very much, it's a very humbling sport because you can be on top one day and on the bottom the next, and it's, you could have this exact same ride, but a judge might just like the way someone else looks a little bit better, or they think they did it just a hair better. So yes, there's a lot of drama with that, but you and I would do the same exact pattern um, or course And then the judge would judge you, and the judge would judge me, and then whoever gets the higher score gets the point for their institution. Is it, it's got to be, you know, teamwork is something that you preach at the collegiate athletics level constantly, Mm -hmm. across all facets, academics, everything. Is it difficult when the team mates a horse? 
So I used to always, I, I have fought the good fight for equestrian. A lot of people always tried to tell me it's not a sport, it's not a sport. And my initial comeback was always, well, it's in the Olympics, so therefore it's a sport. And I'm sure there's a comeback coming for that. Well, I'm just trying to think, like, isn't the one where you twirl the uh, stick with the ribbon on it? Yes, rhythmic dancing. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how you judge that either, but I'm not qualified right, to say that it's on right. a sport. Well, so there, there's, and there's a couple of different um, disciplines, and some of them are less subjective than the others. So, um, like, for example, show jumping is based off of speed and leaving all the obstacles up. So if you hit a jump, you have faults, or if you go too slow, you have faults. Um, but in collegiate, it's all the subjective disciplines. Um, and so, yeah, teamwork is hard, but it's also interesting because it you – you have to have such a deeper understanding of another living being non-speaking being um and so you bond with your horse um what makes collegiate equestrian difficult is you never know what horse you're going to ride um and so you have to learn in four minutes the horse of your other school or whatever horse you draw of your own institutions um you get four minutes to figure them out and then off you go so it's it's definitely an interesting sport. It's very hard to describe um, to someone, especially if you can't see it. Um, but it's also difficult to describe to more of a traditionalist when it comes to sports, where it's like you scored the touchdown. Like, obviously, you can have debates on whether it was over, under, pass interference, whatever that may be. But seven points is seven points with the extra point, And a 79 – versus an 82 it's really hard to tell what those three points really were so is this a sport that's kind of got most of its roots in big 12 country because i don't know sec country is actually probably the most dominant um so right now our championships are 12 sport or 12 schools deep um it's still considered an emerging sport and we we're a little bit nervous that it was going to fall off. Um, Kansas State ended their program a few years back, and then that put us at a little bit of a, a turning point where they thought we weren't going to have enough institutions, but they've actually started growing the sport um, with a lot of schools kind of realizing that, especially in the SEC Big 12 country area, there's a lot of equestrian, and so it gives an ample amount of opportunities for student-athletes. Um, it is a female-only sport, um, so some schools – like that because it's a big roster it's about 45 to 60 girls um and so that helps obviously with like a title nine situation if you need to balance your numbers but um yeah sec georgia south carolina auburn texas a&m have teams um in the big 12 it's baylor tcu um at oklahoma state um and then there might be texas tech is i think going to start a start a program um and then you've got some west coast teams um and some independent ut martin actually has a team oh yeah of course i, f I always forget about martin they call it rodeo i guess Not they, no they actually have a question i have been to ut martin to compete really mm -hmm. and they were going to lose their program but i believe they ended up becoming like a self-funding program so your was your first your first knowledge of tennessee going and visiting martin for um no I'm trying to I was just going to say, if I mean, that was your first like impression of Tennessee, I can't believe you ever came back. <laughs> well, um, I had obviously heard of Tennessee before, but I actually feel like it may have been my first time. I think the closest I got to Tennessee prior to that trip 
was Kentucky. And I was in Lexington. Not Tennessee. <laughs> which is not Tennessee, but um, as far as geographically, yeah. That what? may have been my first time. What exactly is the hunt seat? The hunt seat. So there are several disciplines. Um, hunter seat equitation is like the full name of it. And originally hunt seat is because there were fox hunts and things like that. Um, and so it's really based off of the, the saddle style. Um, if you look at equestrian in the collegiate form, there's two specific disciplines. There's the English or hunt seat and then the Western. Now Western, if you think of like a rodeo or a cowboy, they've got that big saddle with the horn in the front. They have two different events that they compete in and the hunt seat equitation has two different events that they, we, compete, we competed in. Um, and so it's an English style. The saddle's a lot smaller. Um, the horses are typically bigger and it's just we do the jumping um, and a little bit of a version of what's called dressage outside of collegiate athletics which is basically a figure skating pattern on horseback there's a lot to unpack there i was right gonna now. say boy I, <laughs> the follow-up questions are fighting their way to the surface <laughs> and i just how do you get involved with this in the first place so it is definitely a unique sport that not a lot of people just kind of fall into. I was lucky enough, both my parents um, are equestrians, and so my dad's German, um, and it's a very popular sport in, in Europe, um, and it's actually a very male-heavy sport in Europe. Um, a lot of primary schools are attached to, like, a riding club, um, and so that's kind of where it's, like, soccer, equestrian, swimming, field hockey like those are kind of your options or at least they were and so his family all three boys um, became equestrians and when he moved to the states my mom grew up an equestrian she was a professional for a while and he ended up at her stables and obviously the rest is history um but I was lucky enough to have them and so I mean it's really trite to say but I was definitely on horseback before I ever walked um just because we were at the barn every single day and um we bred horses so I was around babies and all that and I have a younger brother who played baseball and he could not be further removed from the equestrian that the rest of us do but um it was just one one of those things I grew up at a barn and that was that okay I'm gonna get off the the equestrian horse <laughs> thing for a minute because this is this is running a danger of becoming an equestrian only <laughs> podcast um you are recently married congratulations thank you you are now a military spouse i am that i know that comes with a lot of different connotations mm -hmm. and you have to be you have to be prepared for that that's not something you can take very lightly yeah it's definitely a different um kind of i field of vision that i had to find myself through um my husband and i dated for about four years before we got married um a lot of it was long distance which helped with deployments and things like that because we weren't always together um but it, it's definitely an interesting lifestyle you have to be very okay with change um and i am not usually so i've learned over the course of the last couple of years that you do have to just kind of go with the flow and if you think you're planning your life in a straight line be prepared for a lot of turns and twists and when the army tells you you're moving, you're moving. And um, it was a huge blessing that the army told my husband he was coming to Fort Campbell because obviously I ended up here and I got to reconnect with Katie who I'd worked with previously. And it was very serendipitous in that. And I don't know that I will ever 
be able to find such an amazing opportunity in at a duty station just because of they're sometimes in remote areas where there's not a college um, or a college with an athletic department. So um, it's definitely unique. The Army does provide a great resource, like a network though. So I've met some of my closest friends through moving because you are all in the same boat. And when your significant others deploy, you are kind of all you have because you're not usually around family. Um, And so you get to lean on these other wives um, and sometimes husbands that are experiencing what you're experiencing. And that is a huge help because um, just recently he, um, or last year, he was deployed to the Middle East and there's just a lot of uncertainty always in the world. And so when you go those couple days without contact, it's nice to have someone to kind of lean on and go through that knows yeah I've been there I'm going through it too so um but it's fun I mean I grew up moving a lot my family just inherently ended up moving about every five years with my dad's job so that part of it I'm all game for going to new places Um, I never have been settled very in one place very long so I'm all for that but yeah it's definitely a unique challenge and um, yeah, 2020 started off on such such a good foot <laughs> with with the wedding, and then it's been all downhill it's been ever a since. A little bit downhill since, so um, try to hold on to that. But uh, yeah, it was a long time coming, and we're really happy. And hopefully, no depl- no long term deployments are in the near future. Do you lead some kind of all company spouses <laughs> group? This is something that Combs told me. Yeah, <laughs> so the FRG, the Family Readiness Group, um, is basically an information dissemination group, and so we keep the spouses aware of training days. Um, so they go out into the field and do overnight trainings for a couple weeks at a time, and so make sure that the calendar is communicated appropriately. Um, so that they can expect to have their significant other's home. Um, we try to communicate when the soldiers are going to have a day of no duty, like no assigned duties, um, which is essentially, excuse me, a day off, so that they can plan with family and kids and things like that. Um, we do fundraising. Um, there's like some some com- company events that we or organi- um, event days we try to put together. Um, but it's really just a built-in support network, so the wives kind of get kept in the loop with things because as military stuff changes all the time and the um, spouses aren't always the first to get the information, it's more of a, oh, I forgot to tell you I'm going to be gone for the next week. Um, and so we try to just keep them kind of up to date on everything. But it's interesting. I, that was something I was not anticipating and here we are and doing it during a pandemic has been interesting too um for a while i mean obviously there's a restriction on travel and so people are definitely wanting to know upcoming summer leave is that going to be impacted which obviously it will be so just keeping them posted on things like that you mentioned it earlier a little bit um you have you have german roots I do. Talk about that a little bit. So my dad is German, as I said. Um, His whole family's uh, German through and through. And um, he was part of an international company for a long time that had three different hubs. Um, And one of them happened to be Kansas City, where is where he met my mom. Um, And shortly after they got married, he was actually transferred back to Germany. So I was born there. um, And so that's always been my little fun fact whenever you have an icebreaker is where well tell us something unique about yourself um 
I lived there till I was about three. Um, I don't speak German. I can understand it okay. Um, if, if I'm around enough people who are speaking German, I can definitely start to pick things up. Um, weirdly, it's not too different from English, which always sounds kind of funny, but there are a lot of similarities in, some, in words. Um, but yeah, it's really neat. We used to go back a lot more often when we were little, um, especially when my dad was still with that company because that was where their main location was. And so um, he'd have to go for business trips and we would just go with him to see my grandparents um, and aunts and uncles. So it's definitely unique. I, I've i always loved going back and visiting. It gets more interesting as I get older just because you start appreciating things a little bit more it's not just like the cool long plane ride that you get to take every couple years um but I definitely hope to get back there sometime soon um and maybe the military will take us there who knows (laughs) you lead the community outreach efforts Mm -hmm. here and obviously with the Govs Cup and everything else I think that's really taken off uh how do you get the kids to to buy in to that I think when you tell the students and phrase it in a way where it's like this is the community that supports you and these are where your fans are from um, and it's a simple act can go such a long way it really isn't a lot of convincing I think you definitely have students who are inherently more community service oriented where they just have always grown up doing it but I think it's also pairing the right students with the right activity um, if you know students are really good with kids we have always had a really great relationship with Burt Elementary and it's something that's so easy because the, the proximity to campus um, where they can go and help out some teachers and work with some kids for an hour or so a week and so I really think it's about just the right activity with the right with the right students but also our coaches are really good about buying into community service because I think they understand the importance of giving back to the community that supports our athletic department and so um, working with them so that they come up they kind of have activities for their whole team Um, but yeah we had a great year last year um, with over 3,000 hours and so that was really great to see um, how involved our students are and um I mean, it's just a simple thank you to the community that supports Austin P. Um, if it's something as working with Fort Campbell or working with, um, like, just cleaning up campus or cleaning up the surrounding neighborhoods, it's just some, a little thing that our students can do. How does your experience as a student athlete help in your day job now? I think realizing that nothing is a one-size-fits-all experience. Um, I had a very different experience from a lot of my teammates, and I think a lot of it goes into what you put in is what you get out. And so I just try to give my students kind of a free space where it's an open door. Y'all can come in whenever you need anything, whether it's academic related or life or community outreach or helping you apply for a job or whatever the case may be. I had that one person when I was in school that I relied heavily on. And my experience would not have been the same if I didn't have that person where I could just be like, I need a moment to go talk to someone who is unbiased and just lets me have my (laughs) lets me have my moment and so realizing that I had someone in my corner kind of quietly cheering me on the whole time um, is just something that I try to provide to my students but I think understanding the long hours and the stress and the exhaustion and 
the juggling of everything as I've been there. And while equestrian is not necessarily the same physical demands as a football player, we still had the same time requirement. Everyone fought, fell under the NCAA time requirement, so I know what it feels like to balance the full-time schedule with study hall, with workouts, with X, Y, and Z. And so I think when there when there's days where they feel like they need to just kind of unload, they can, and they know that I can and empathize with them on that before you got into academics there were there were other dreams there <laughs> dreams of broadway stardom yes very very far-fetched far far-fetched dreams um, that were realized pretty quickly um, when i realized i couldn't carry a tune um, and had a little bit of stage fright so that those are two pretty big hurdles to have to overcome. Significant hurdles. Yes, it was very disappointing. I used to put on shows my parents um enjoyed going to musicals and things like that and so I fell in love with musical theater when I was really little. Um even like anything that involved songs and dancing, I just thought it was so fabulous. And <laughs> I tried to do like musical theater camp when I was little just to try to like I could memorize lines like nobody's business like you give me a movie I've seen a couple times and I can pretty much recite the script um along with the actors and so I was like I can do this I can I can remember script and I would put on shows for my parents I'd like reenact Phantom of the Opera which is a really hard thing to do at like eight years old um solo because my brother wanted nothing to do with me and I was like, well, I can do this in front of my parents. And then I would get on stage and I would just totally freeze up. And in about the eighth grade is where my choir teacher was like, we, this is about as far as you can, like, this is your class. This isn't like your extracurricular. And so, Dang. yeah, harsh realities brought to light. <laughs> Eighth grade's kind of... <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. So, instead, now I just, unfortunately, drag my husband to anything that I can and um, indulge in musicals and things like that. Those are definitely things that make me very happy, and it is un not uncommon um, for my students to walk into my office with a Pandora Broadway station, um, and I definitely get some funny looks on that one. But I just, we all have different tastes in music, and I find I'm most productive with Broadway, so... So there we go. But yes, what that would have been fun. <laughs> what are your top three Broadway shows? Oh, goodness. Um, oh, that's so hard. Wicked was incredible. Um, I love West Side Story. And Phantom of the Opera is always classic. One of my favorite musicals of all time is Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand. Um, Cats, as much as how horrible the movie was is actually phenomenal in person and i think i think one of the problems is they tried to make it too modern and it took some of the integrity out of the music um and the cat faces were a little funny too but yeah that one les mis i i can't pick three Ugh, <laughs> i can't pick three uh all right let's close out this part uh, and i'll let you just kind of run on <laughs> the royals oh goodness okay now, I need a little bit of direction. Are we going, like, British royal family? Because I got a lot to say about that. You start there. Start with the British royals. Okay. I love all things British monarchy. And it started 
when I was little is when Princess Diana passed away and I just thought she was she was this gorgeous humanitarian she like kind of did things her own way um and so I just always had an affinity for her we used to get like Time Magazine um and I felt like she was just always in in the articles and I would read up on her and I didn't know anything about all the stuff behind the scenes until I was older but when she passed away I just kind of continued to hold on to this like fantasy land that I thought they all lived in um now obviously being older I understand that there's a lot of ins and outs and politics and all that stuff with it but I think it's so fabulous I've watched all the royal weddings that have happened uh princess kate and william got married my sophomore year of college definitely we had a party in my dorm room um and it's just how do you party for a royal wedding so you well it was like 3 a.m so (laughs) you are in your pajamas and we had tea and cake at 3 a.m. Yeah, that's a very... So it was a super exciting that's party. A very, that's a very English yes. sort of We party. were themed. <laughs> and so and then I watched, like, Princess Meghan and Harry, and I just thought it was just all so wonderful. And I've watched every documentary on Netflix about them. The Crown is excellent, if anyone needs a Netflix show. A little slow. It's a little dark. It is a little bit. I, my wife watches it. Sometimes I'm sort of in the periphery. Yeah. So it's, it's real slow burn. It's slow, but it's it's interesting. And they try. Then I'm because I am who I am. I like go and Google the events to see how accurate they were, because I don't. I don't know. I just think it's all so fascinating. Because obviously, being in the United States, we don't have anything close to a monarchy, which is for the better probably. But. It's just, it's so interesting to think that there's this one family that just continues over thousands of years to be this figurehead for, that represent an entire country. And so, and it's also glamorous with the dresses and the tiaras. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you got the the royal family out of your system? Yeah, okay, we're good. All right, then uh, let's do the, the baseball royals. Okay. Um why so we lived in kansas city my mom is from kansas city we lived there for five years and that was my first real baseball experience um at kaufman stadium um which is beautiful which is beautiful um i before i realized my singing talents i was in the third grade choir and we got to sing the anthem which was very exciting if you didn't know, they pre-record you and you lip sync if you're that little, so oh. you don't dive stage free. right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was cool. And so we lived in Canada prior to that, and I don't ever remember going to a Maple Leafs or Blue Jays. Sorry, missing up my sports here. Blue Jays game. So the first one I remember ever going to was a Royals game, and um, the Royals were named after the American Royal, which is was one of my favorite horse shows growing up so because it was a livestock show so that's a fun fact um that's a really fun fact yeah so um yeah I've just loved them ever since and it was so exciting I was in grad school when they won the world series back in 2015 um and Brandon Finnegan was a pitcher for them who was at TCU he was a little bit younger than I was but he was the first player to go from 
college World Series to regular World Series in the same year. So I definitely thought that was cool and a nice connection. And then I worked for South Carolina baseball, and Whit Merrifield was at South Carolina when they won the World Series. So it's just so just lots of ties. I just there. feel like we just I'm just all tied up into the Royals. It, it hasn't, aside from that two year stretch there, a little bleak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, baseball in general, bleak yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, there's no baseball right now. There's no anything right now. <laughs> but, yeah, I feel like we had the team, and then the team went to a lot of different teams. And <laughs> That's <laughs> so, very true. So there was definitely that rebuild. But, I mean, Wit, he's he's always up there. Two hit Wit. Two hit Wit. And then, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I To be honest, I'm a horrible ba- – I don't even know. I forgot that the draft happened until I saw things on Twitter. I, like, forgot that we were doing that. So I don't even know who the Royals drafted this year, which is pretty bad. Um, they drafted – oh, golly. I think they drafted a pitcher and a shortstop. And a lefty pitcher? Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. What is that guy's name? I can – start with an a it might asa lacy <laughs> thank you there we go yes i wanted to because you're a royals fan right i am royals adjacent okay i so i don't know how this happened to me but i just started writing about the royals and then got involved in the weird internet culture that is the <laughs> royals and now it's it's like it's a part of my life that i never knew i missed but if i didn't have it anymore i'd really miss yeah. it yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, what is your favorite word? Oh. My favorite word? I don't know that I've ever thought about that. Um, let's go with serendipitous. Ooh, that's good. Did you use that earlier? I did. That's going to be... Do you want to go for a record of serendipitous re- I references? I feel like twice is twice probably, is probably the close. record. Yeah. What is your least favorite word? Um, spork. Spork? Yeah. I just think that a spoon and a fork, it's just they're separate. We don't need a spork. Who or what inspires you? Oh, my gosh. What inspires me are other people. I think there's – I know that there's hard sometimes to see all the good that can happen, but I'm surrounded by amazing people and my students and my coworkers, and they push me every day, but – individual people my parents and my husband for sure what is the last book you read for fun um so the last book i read for fun pearls of wisdom by barbara bush my mom gave it to me for an easter present what is your worst habit i bite my nails what app on your phone gets the most use probably twitter what is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Ooh. Terrifying, like... Any... I guess everybody's definition of terror is different. Yes. Um, I would pro- probably one of my injuries. I had heat... This is... It was more weird than terrifying. I had heat stroke really bad one time. And I thought if I just took a nap that I would be better. But when I woke up, I had no vision in my left eye. And that was pretty terrifying. Whoa. (laughs) What was your idea of happiness? Um, 
my idea of happiness? I would say if I had like a moment in time, my idea of happiness would definitely be, oh, I don't know. That one's hard. These are deep. Well, I mean, because there's so many things in life that make me happy. I feel like I'm a pretty happy person. But I think the happiest I've ever been was probably the day my husband came home from his Middle East deployment. So him, boots on the ground, safe is my idea of happiness. What is your idea of misery? Uh, um, I... I think I've been really lucky that I don't know that I've ever experienced true misery. I think I struggled with out having my students and my coworkers the first couple of weeks of quarantine and this whole COVID pandemic. And I just realized that I thrive so much off of being able to help and pursue people in, in person. And so I was, I was, I would say that I was, lack of interaction with family and friends is my idea of misery you know i think that's been a thing that a lot of people have come to the realization of during all this is like i'm not a people person Mm -hmm. by nature but it was a lot more enjoyable to get back to kind of despising people in person (laughs) as opposed to from far away i mean see there you go if that's i mean yeah what makes you (laughs) self-conscious Mm. I well, there are lots of. I mean, my singing talents make me pretty self-conscious, especially okay, that's being it. Pause. in my. <laughs> you got to sing something. No, now. I'm, yep. I'm not going to do it. Please, especially having combs as a office. Ooh, I'll bet yeah, that is. I'll bet that's intimidating. That's pretty intimidating. Um, I also did a subjective sport for 20 years of my life, so I would say any more probably riding would make me subconscious, self-conscious, just because. It's one of those things where you do it all the time and you feel like you've reached like such a point where it's like everything works all the time and you're like at that moment. I feel like all athletes probably experience that at some point. It's like it's not going to get better than it is today. And then you take a long break and I go home and I'll ride every night and it's like I'm like I know this is not what it's supposed to be, so it's so much more intimidating and definitely I get very self-conscious over riding now. What is the most embarrassing song you love? Um, I don't know if it's embarrassing. Once again, I guess everyone has their, I mean, I listen to Broadway music for fun. So I feel like the, just that in general is fairly embarrassing, but I love a good, like late nineties boy band. Um, but as like off the top of my head, I don't know why Mandy Moore's candy is coming to mind, but that (laughs) (laughs) when I have to think of a single song, I I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a song. That is is definitely a song. (laughs) I can still see the music video in my head. She's like dancing in front of like an old VW bug and she's got blonde hair. She's come a long way over the last 20 odd years. (laughs) (laughs) How would you prefer to die? age in my sleep i'm gonna go very just like 
plane. I'm yeah. not going to go out guns blazing because it's not my adi- like that's not my personality. Yeah, it's hard to envision turning on the news one day <laughs> and hearing Haley Meyer <laughs> dies in a hail of bullets <laughs> robbing a bank. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be me. I mean, yeah. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Is it weird that we were just talking about this? So our dog is very spoiled and very well taken care of. And I think I would want to come back as him. He lives the life. Like he knows he's, what he's going to eat every day. He unmakes the bed when he chooses. He makes, you know what I'm saying? Like he just, he gets all the treats and walks that he wants. And like I would come back as him. What might prompt you to lie? Ooh. So I'm not... Ooh. I don't know. Zach Glotta has told me what would prompt him to lie. If Zach will lie, everybody will lie. <laughs> trying to think of, like, a specific situation. I mean, I, to, I would probably, if it involved, like... I don't know. Oh, I would probably it's an I would it would be more of an omission of truth. I feel like I have some really great secrets from like my girlfriends and if anyone ever like pushed me to that, it would be more of an omission of truth. But it would definitely be we could consider that a lot. Like I would tell a story to avoid some of their deepest darkest secrets. What makes you hopeful? My students. I think I wish people got to know our students on like an in- and some of them do, but like on an individual basis. There's so much, there's so much good in all of our student athletes, and I just, they're they're gonna change the world in some way, and it's it's exciting, and they make me hopeful. What is our purpose in life? Ours or mine? Ours as a people, or yours as a you? <laughs> um, there are no rules here. You do whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, I think it uh, it sound I I try to avoid being cliche or sounding corny. I think. The goal is to always leave it better than you found it or, or try to improve and make progress. I think if you constantly make progress, then that's all you can you can do to try to develop a better a better place. Regardless of who it is, what is one question you'd ask our next guest? Um, what... Or what would get you to eat a bug? And I am desperate to know what this answer is. <laughs> It'd what, be a lot of money. How much money? It depends on what bug. Oh, okay. So uh, just a, I don't know. Like a run of a mill cricket? Yeah. A couple thousand? A couple thousand? Maybe I would do it for a thousand. I would maybe eat a cricket for a thousand dollars. Is a live cricket or a dead cricket? It can't be living. Can you cover it in chocolate or something? I might even reduce the price if it was a chocolate-covered cricket. That is an, that is interesting to know. I mean, I don't know. All the, it is, it's a little nerve-wracking being the question like asker. Is it? Because, well, when you put me on the spot, because... Then I, I don't know why, when you were like, what would you ask the next person? Fear Factor popped into my head. <laughs> and I don't even remember the last time I watched an episode of Fear Factor, but there we go. Didn't that show go off the air in like 2008? Probably. I don't know. 
Um, because I couldn't watch people do the things that they were doing. So, of course, I would want to ask someone, like, if, would they do that? It's interesting how many of these have been eating and food related because Tracy's last week that she wanted to know for the next guest is what's your favorite meal? I really like seafood. So I would say like fish and grilled like asparagus or something like that. But my favorite food is cake. Pretty much of any kind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think you can make a whole meal out of cake. No, it, yeah. So the meal would be like a fish and a vegetable and like risotto and then cake, any kind of cake for dessert. And then a bug. And no, only for $1,000. <laughs> uh, so what's what's the future hold for you, do you reckon? I don't know. I think obviously being a military spouse, you never really know. I think we're here for probably about 12 to 18 more months um and then question mark it's always kind of where the army tells you i think um i one of my personal goals is to have a family so kids in the future and we'll we'll see my husband is definitely awesome p's number one fan i found him the other day he had a day off because it was flag day um army's birthday and He's been missing sports so much. He streamed Austin P versus Sacramento State from YouTube. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I guess forever and ever we will be rooting on the Govs. Well, we're happy to have you here for as long as you're here and hopefully for a long time. Thank you. Thanks, Haley. It hats, uh, guess I didn't make it get ready for me, love, cause I'm a comer. I simply gotta march my heart to drum, I know, nobody, no, nobody is coming. Rain and Thanks to Haley Meyer for coming on, giving us a bit of her day, her perspective, and teaching us all a little bit about equestrian. As we move forward into this week of endless weeks that all blend together, we talk about once more what's on our televisions. I finally finished uh, the Avengers Infinity Saga, watched Endgame last night. Um, very good movie. Uh, the whole thing here feels like I'm now talking to someone who wants to have a, a discussion that we all got finished having years ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm two years behind on this. Two years, maybe more. Yeah, well, it's it's like it uh, would be like somebody be, being like, hey, I want to really talk about The Sopranos now. Like, buddy, we're all bad. We're, yeah. we're past. We're like, gone that. Spo- spoilers, if you haven't seen it in game, but you probably have because I was the last one to see it. Uh, they kept their secret from me for two years. They were going to kill my favorite Avenger, Iron Man. I was pretty upset about that. Um, no more Iron Man movies because Tony Stark's dead. That was sad. We couldn't have, we could have killed Bruce Banner or something. That wouldn't have bothered me. But wow. no, but sorry, sorry, Bruce. I, I like Tony Stark more than you, but Tony Stark's dead. So, uh, I'm pretty upset about that. Um, uh, what did I like? I liked Fat Thor. Who, d- who didn't like Fat Thor? Fat Thor, Fat Thor just was drinking himself into oblivion because apparently beer doesn't affect the god of lightning or th- god of thunder. God excuse- of thunder. Excuse me. 
my apologies to the Thor family. Um, that was fun. I didn't like old Captain America at the end because I feel like if there's somebody in the universe as bad as Thanos, there's there's got to be somebody just as bad or worse. And 77-year-old Steve Rogers isn't going to do much for the galaxy when he's on his walker. I don't even know if he could walk. He didn't walk in the last scene. He just sat on a bench. Maybe he hovers. Um, I think it was quite selfish of Steve Rogers to go back and live his life just to be old to not protect the universe anymore. Wow. Yeah, I went there. Selfish. I went there. Captain America, selfish. Because yeah. you made the point he hands his shield over to we, Falcon. What is it, Sam Wilson? Yeah. He hands his shield to Sam Wilson, the Falcon. But my, my argument here is Sam Wilson's not a super soldier like Steve Rogers. And Steve just said, no, I'm going to go live my life and be old now. So uh, you guys have fun because Iron Man's dead. So there's, there's your number one Avenger out the door. Probably put, I guess Thor's probably number one. I mean, of, Thor's the strongest. Of, you, of who's left? Of who's left? You kind of got a point to Thor, yeah. I mean, well, he's the only one left now. Of the three, of the three guys I put at the top of my Avengers list to save the world, we've only got one of the three, and we could have had two. But the continued disrespect of Bruce Banner is really starting to bother uh, me. <laughs> that was a very mean thing I said about Bruce Banner. I do really like him. He's obvious. He's a clear number four. Well, now he's clear number two because now that he's controlling the Hulk and just living as him, like. Good for him, living his best life. Yeah, be, being being comfortable in his own enormous. Green I'm very skin I'm very happy for is him. It's very good for him. No, right? yeah, there, that was some. I had some. I had some Hulk disrespect there, and I'm very sorry. I'm yeah. forgetting the coolest of the Avengers. I found out in the movie is Black Panther. When um, Doctor Strange brought them all back from all over the place, I guess whenever they just disappeared in the dust and like they're fighting Thanos the second time, and he does the little spinny circle thing, and T'Challa walks out with the whole Wakanda army behind him. That's one of the coolest things. Like that yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Like, I I enjoyed. I was late to Black Panther. No, that was, was one like, of my favorite movies in the series. Oh yeah. Once I watched it, I was like, oh, hey. I really enjoyed Black Panther, and then, like I said, when Doctor Strange opens the thing up and T'Challa and Wakanda army walks out, like, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, it's that it, was, it's, that was game, cool. it's game over for you at that point. Yeah, you're, you're in serious trouble. Um. Well, now what are you going to throw yourself into? I guess is the big question. I guess I'm going to finish Justified. I'm like in season four. Yeah, well, you gotta. You're you're about there. Yeah, there's only six, I think, which seems like a short amount. But uh, they the last season's not great, but also they uh, they decided to cut it off before it. Be- better to end a year too early than a year too late. At Game of Thrones. Yes, God, extremely at Game of Thrones. Um, coming up as our summer of knowledge and baseball documentaries rolls on. Uh, MLB Network doing a King Griffey Jr. doc. If MLB Network and ESPN had to draw straws on which doc they were going to do, Sosa, McGuire, or Griffey, I think MLB Network won. Because as many cool home runs as you can show in the other one, the King Griffey Jr. one's just going to be cool. Because like, if you see the people they have interviewing it, they've got LeBron James in this thing. Um, I'd bet everything I own on Bob Costas being in it because he's in every documentary ever. Yeah, I was going to say Bob Costas is a professional um, documentary guest at this point. <laughs> there was, I, I watched the preview and there's, it's not just baseball guys, which is cool because it shows how important Griffey was to culture. Culture. Yeah. yeah. Like having LeBron James on, it, I think is a big thing because I think LeBron has made his feelings clear on baseball. Like he's like, baseball's cool, but like not right now. Like there's nobody like, LeBron talking about Griffey is going to be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, I mean, Griffey, before he got 
hurt and got old and got fat the way you're supposed to do before you... Even when he was fat, though, he was still hitting home runs. Yeah, no, but, like, he was... He was the coolest no, yeah, he, athlete. Yeah, he... Like, if you watch in um, the Michael Jordan doc, Jordan at the All-Star game was, like, a five-year-old when he saw Griffey. Yeah, he was the coolest athlete in America at the time, and... I don't think that's happened for baseball since. I mean, who's the cl- Mike Trout, the coolest baseball player now? But he doesn't have the culture impact. He's King Griffey Jr. Is Mike he Trout is- the coolest baseball player? Or is he the best baseball player? Because I feel <sighs> like that's different. Bryce Harper might be the coolest. I think Bryce Harper, the way he does everything, might be the. I mean, right now Bryce Harper's probably the coolest, right? <sighs> and who else could it be? Manny Machado. No, there's. I think Manny Machado rubs way too many people the wrong way. I like Manny Machado. I like Manny Machado. But I just, I think it's. If you're going to be the coolest baseball player in places like Baltimore and San Diego, you got to be real cool. And he's just—he doesn't have. That. I think it could be Mookie Betts, but not—not not after last year. You have to be good to be the coolest baseball player, and Mookie wasn't great last year. Maybe Aaron Judge. There's way too many people that hate the Yankees for. I mean. Yeah, but he's just a big tater mash and glutes. I mean, people enjoy I, that. I, I think if we're ranking the coolest players in baseball, I've still got to go Bryce Harper right now. I think too many, he rubs too many people the wrong way. But I think I, – I don't know. I just think the way he – the hair, the bat flips, the a violent swing, that he wears the Philly Fanatic cleats. I don't know. I think – for me, it's Bryce Harper. Um, I wish it would be Mike Trout, but it's kind of hard for him out He's It's not his personality. Well, that coupled with the fact that that's just not he, – he plays all his games at – 10 p.m. on the East Coast, and his team's not very good. Like they should it, be this year. At least with the Mariners, Griffey made the playoffs a few times. Well, he had A-Rod and Randy Johnson, which sure does help. It sure does help. I saw a video yesterday of um, Davey Johnson with the Orioles getting A-Rod's bat thrown out, and Griffey's on deck, and he just tosses him his bat, and A-Rod walks up and hits a homer. I was like, that's that's cool. I wish those two had played together longer. Yeah, the 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 whole Mariners energy with those two and the big unit and – People forget Edgar and Jay Buhner on that team. Pretty good guy, pretty good players. Yeah. And they right as all those guys left, Ichiro showed up. No, that yeah. would have Ima- been imagine awesome. imagine that lineup. Oh my gosh. You can't A-Rod and Junior just hang around for about four more years. Shoot. Hitting behind Ichiro. Ichiro might have scored two hundred yards a year. Might have. He would have set I mean, does he have the runs record? Because he sure would have set it with that lineup. I don't know. If he did, it would have been that year they won hundred and sixteen games and the offense was amazing. Can you imagine just the, your lineup's going to go Ichiro, A-Rod Jr., Edgar, and Jay Buhner. That's, that's pretty solid. That's I would take it. That, that is the sort of thing that made John Wetland have nightmares <laughs> when he was the Rangers closer. And that is going to be the deepest pool we have in this podcast, I feel quite <laughs> sure, certain. It sure is. Um, <laughs> hey, did you notice that we spent about five minutes there talking about baseball in really glowing and positive terms? We're the only people that have done that this week. <laughs> It's a disaster. It's a. It it's beyond. It got, it's an embarrassment. It at this reached. Point. It reached a low point. On was it Monday or Tuesday? They had the coming back to sports thing where uh, Manfred did the Mike Greenberg interview. It's Monday, I think. Whatever day that was, that was a low point. That was that's the worst it's been. Well, it was. It was after finally getting the players to go. You know what? Just do whatever you want. Just tell us when to show up, and then. Coming back from that and going, well, we may not play anyway. That, but just, 
that may have led to the most recent, like, because Clark, Tony Clark and Manfred finally sat down face to face and talked about it yesterday. And that low point might have, I don't know, that might have helped. I don't know. I don't know. They've, they've done so much damage to the reputation of the game, to the, I mean, this, the integrity of the season is just not even a, it's a, it's going to be weird too with 16 teams in the playoffs. Like, 16 teams in the playoffs. The is thing I dumb. like about baseball is one third of the teams in the league make the playoffs. There's three division winners and there's two wild card teams. It's not like the NFL where you have 16 teams already or the NBA where you have eight yeah. eight seeds on either side. Yeah, and I don't want to I don't want to see the equivalent of the 1-8 series in baseball. Right. That's we get that anyway. I mean, that's We the, played 162 games so, because so that we know that like the Brewers, like the fourth place Milwaukee Brewers, don't need to be in the playoffs. Yeah, they got I, beat by the Cubs like 20 times already I this don't, year. I don't need Nats Brewers to feel like I got postseason baseball. I just don't. And well, I'm firmly – I know that – The only good thing about the 16 game sixteens is it's going to make up for the games they don't play and we're going to get to see closer to a real season maybe, but, but if it I doesn't, still don't like it. If it doesn't count – in terms of the crude stats, this is the one sport where your crude stats still hold weight. Yeah. Where things like 500 homers and 3,000 hits matter from a historical context, and you've chopped off 100 games of the prime of people like Trout and Harper and Machado. Acuna, Acuna might be our coolest player in baseball. Just not. While we're here, just just I, that. I, I personally, yeah, personally love him, but I just don't know. I don't know if he's got that. He certainly doesn't have a Griffey kind of name. No, not yet. I mean, my house watches as much Braves baseball as anybody, and I think my wife knows Freddie Freeman and probably trying to think who else. He he would be third behind Freeman and Ender Enciarte. He's just been there a while. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, that's if you're going by name recognition, Griffey – you say Griffey and nobody's asking. Senior? Yeah. No. Yeah, no. Griffey. Uh, the only good thing for us is we're all going to come out of this baseball disaster looking better than John Heyman. John, uh, the, John. List of, the list of people that are walking out of this baseball disaster looking pretty bad is it grows longer by the day. John Heyman trying to get the scoop that the players and uh, the owners and Manfred had an agreement Thursday night just scooped it. He's like, nope, season's on. We got an agreement. Let's roll. Uh, ten minutes later, Jeff Passan said there, there's no agreement. And then twenty minutes after that, the Players Association Twitter account said there, there's no agreement in place, and they should have just at John Heyman, which I thought he was pretty good on the whole scoop thing. And if you're, ooh, you can't it, come back from that. If if your business is getting people with insider knowledge to trust you, and you publicly uh, miss the mark by that much. Kind of hard to trust you with insider knowledge anymore. If you didn't think Jeff Passan was the number one baseball insider before this, you sure Uh, do do now. You you know who the king, you know who baseball's woge is now. Um, I'm firmly against the DH coming to the National League, and it's here for this year and for next year, which means it's here. I've always said I don't like the designated hitter in the National League until I saw the Reds crowded outfield this year. And like I've said on this podcast before, I don't care what happens if it makes the Reds better. I don't care. I just I there was there has always been something to me that was attractive about 
having to play the different styles in interleague and in the postseason where if you've got a big tater mashing dude anchoring the middle of your lineup as the DH and you make the World Series and you've got to have that guy's bat in the lineup for like every Like J.D. Game. Martinez having to get stuck out in left field. He's terrible. David Ortiz having to play first base. Even worse. Yeah. I mean, that. but that was always – that kind of gamesmanship – always appealed to me and then also the the flip side of that the national league do you how do you who are you deciding to no i agree there's there's very few national league teams i think that are just readily equipped with a guy like oh yeah we'll throw him at dh and hit 40 home runs like yeah i think there's a couple people that are going to be very that it's going to work very well for like the phillies jay bruce is going to be a great dh oh yeah they're they're a bunch of Late career, corner outfield. I think it saves a lot of guys' career, too. Like, Joey Votto's going to play longer now because, okay, well, you can just throw Castellanos at first base. Joey Votto plays five more years. Yep. But. I mean, it's going to it's gonna extend a lot of careers. But that was something that was happening anyway. You They were just going to the American League, too. Yeah. Which, I, it's a miracle Jay Bruce is in the National League. He should. Yeah, he's, he's always somebody that's been. Just, he's actually not terrible. When he was younger, he was a really good defender with the Reds because he just has a cannon for an arm. But, like. He's not fast. Yeah, the the wheels. He's, he's slowed down, but yeah. He he slowed down and he was never speedy to begin with. He he was a, he was fine, but yeah. It's going to be good for him. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good for their careers, and I'm sure that's what they're selling this point as is And there's a lot of people that just hate watching pitchers hit. Which for me, I'm with the and the anti-bunting people, this is a good win for us cuz you're going to get rid of the sack bun a lot, but like I don't know. I did. But I did like. Part of, I did like the, the difference, but it's another part of the strategy. And also, you're never going to have the moment of a Bartolo Colon hitting home run again. And I think we've talked about that here. And it's that I can't tell you a lot about recent baseball history in a sort of definitive. Who's the first pitcher to hit? Obviously, Shohei Otani. I'm not counting him. I think Shohei Otani and Michael Lorenzen are both going to get at bats as two-way players. Is Madison Bumgarner the first pitcher pitcher to get an A B this year? Him or Grinky? Ooh, Grinky's a good choice. Yeah. Grinky doesn't have the power. Grinky's just no, he but just goes you, out there and hits singles. Yeah, if you need somebody I can see a if scenario. We're in the fifteenth inning and like Yeah, I can see a scenario where you're it's it's close and late, you're kind of exhausted. You'd rather keep bench. you'd rather keep one bench guy available in case somebody gets hurt so you don't have to put a reliever out there. You hit Grinky. Yeah, or you you've already you don't want to burn your catcher because right. you don't know how long this is gonna go. I think Madison Bumgarner and Grinky will both sneak an AB or two in this season. <laughs> the market inefficiency is now pitchers who can also pinch hit late. Is it games. gonna only? It's only gonna be the Diamondbacks, huh? Yeah, yeah. Di- the Diamondbacks are gonna lead lead the league in pitcher hits. Good, good for them. Good for Arizona. They need something. If you have community service opportunities coming up, you should contact our guest today, Haley Meyer. because she will log all of that stuff for you, so you can get your Ghost Cup points. Um, Whatever you can do, you should do right now because it's very important to be an active part of your community uh, during these turbulent times in so much as you can. You should also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Go P, and you can follow along on Facebook on our official account called Austin P. Governors. And you can we'll give a shout out to our friends Eric and Robin for all the digital media things they're doing on those platforms. Let's go p.com for dates, news, and stories. Casey, Cody Bush, and myself. Uh, something's going on over there pretty much every day, even even in the face of mounting nothingness happening. <laughs> go read about our greatest guffs. Yep, it's tennis this week. Getting a lot, getting a lot of good feedback. What do we got next week? Um, 
You're on soccer next week. Soccer next week. There you go. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. You know, she should be on the lookout for tickets. Oh, I was going to say uh, wild horses that are taking over most major American cities. <laughs> All right. Those two. But uh, if you'd rather just get some tickets for our upcoming sporting events that we're going to have this fall, you should get in contact with our ticket gurus, Katie Locke, and her assistant, Johnny Quest. They've got all the information you can use to get in the game. Uh, be on the lookout for some information regarding social distancing and so forth. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating, review on the podcast, five stars, five stars, and if you'd like to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Lose to me at a Vinnie Vitrone hosted game of Quarantine Jeopardy. Tweet us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at C underscore Craig19. Love yourself. Love each other. Talk to you next week. Goodbye. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars? I could really use a wish right now.